Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. Our show is an opportunity for people who are doing great things to use this platform to bring awareness to their nonprofit, the cause they support, and to share how they're making a difference in our community. And our goal is to inform, to inspire, and to impact our listeners so that they too can go out and make a difference for someone in some way. It's been said that what you do for yourself dies with you when you leave this world, but what you do for others lives on forever. So let's meet some people today who are doing for others in our community. Not unlike most other major cities across America, we face certain challenges here in Milwaukee, but I wanna be sure that we don't focus on the challenges necessarily. We wanna be sure that people are aware of them, of course, but we'd rather focus and highlight those people that are providing solutions and doing something about the challenges so that others can join them and together we can make an even bigger difference. My guests today are Vincent Noth, Executive Director from the Kinship Community Food Center, and Max Ramsey from Street Life in Milwaukee. Welcome to the show today, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Great to be here. Glad to have you. Now, normally, I interview the two nonprofit guests individually so that the audience gets a clear picture of how each one is unique and different in how they serve in the community. But you had asked me, Vince, if you could do the interview together because you guys work together, you serve together, and you felt that by playing off one another's responses, you could really get to the heart of the matter. That is my level of insecurity on both our parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I thought, okay, let's do that, and we'll see how it goes. We'll spend a little time with each of you individually first, though, so we can get a better understanding of who you are and what you do. So, Vincent, you're first up here. Let's talk about you. Give us a little bit of information about yourself, the history on the Kinship Community Center, and how you got involved. Sure. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm fourth of nine children. I was raised on Milwaukee's east side, and, and I think you know people ask me, how did how did you get into this work? How have you been focused on sort of poverty and, and inequality on Milwaukee's north side most of your life? And the the two things that I um, attribute it to are really the love and sacrificial sort of example in my parents' lives. Nine kids didn't didn't see them thinking about themselves a lot um, in you know any in any circumstance. And then uh, they chose to be a part of the busing initiative when the schools were being integrated in you know in the early 1970s for my older sisters as well as myself. So I think growing up, I I was bused in and I was always uh, somewhat of a minority in my grade school all the way through high school. And I got to be part of these amazing, mostly African-American communities and schools where I was very loved and included. And, and so I think that love of the, the North Side, both the beauty of the North Side, but then also some of the disparities mm -hmm. that you see in the Central City compared to the neighborhood that I was privileged to be raised in, um, I think have shaped my love of Milwaukee in a unique way and, and my worldview. So that's a little bit about me. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. One of nine. Wow. <laughs> Tell us about uh, the history of Kinship Community Center. When did it get started? Sure. Yeah. So um, like most 
food pantries in America, uh, late 1970s, early 1980s, were, was the birth of kinship. It was started by parishioners, a bunch of teachers at a public school that also um, went to church at a parish, St. Casimir Church in River West, and the public school was Gensland Public School. They, the, the community, basically, there was a housing crisis. ESHAC was a nonprofit that spoke to the parishioners and said, hey, a lot of these folks are trying to get housing for don't have food. And so 1979 it was started and it was all volunteer run uh, until about, you know, late 90s. Um, okay. And they, they had two sites and they coordinated the sites. So I, I got involved in about 2012 and I helped um, them. It was called the River West Food Pantry for years. I thought so, yeah. And mm -hmm. um, just in April, we changed our name to Kinship Community Food Center. And, and you'll hear as as the conversation unfolds, you'll hear a little bit more about why we, we changed our name. But, um, you know, just an I think Max can attest to this. The, the miracle of sort of meal sites and food pantries is they're 90 plus percent um, volunteer run. Mm -hmm. And it's really just the goodwill and the initiative of like so many people coming out of the woodwork, showing up with, you know, bread or deli or whatever it is. Um, or just showing up to help. Or showing up yeah. for produce. To serve, yeah. Yeah, so like I think we logged 14,000 hours last year of just volunteer hours, wow. um, you know, to feed the... Uh, 15,000 or so uh, people that we serve in a given year. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. All right, Max, you're next. Give us a little bit of the 411 on Max and uh, history of street life, and how did you get to where you are? In order to talk about street life communities, we have to talk about some core values. You know, one of them is anonymity, that um, it's really important to us that we have um, not a face so much as faces. Okay. So, you know, who I am really isn't that important. Um, I, I would say that um, Street Life began as an idea about 22 years ago, back in 2000, um, <clears throat> and began with three people, a broken down pickup truck and maybe $150 worth of bag lunches. And, um, Drove down um, into the south side of the city and uh, found a gentleman that looked like he might be somebody interested in a conversation. So we offered him a bag of food and asked him if he was interested in helping to serve the community. And um, he said something that I haven't forgotten, which is nobody ever asked me to help before. Um, so from that, we learned another core value, which is that we are always both the object and the subject of what we do. Um, he went and got his friends who lived in a bando, oh, so I'm sorry, an abandoned house okay. right there. And uh, they came out, we offered them the same thing. And they, of course, jumped at the chance to be a part of something. Um, and you offered them friendship. Right. I mean, it started there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Vincent will talk about this more later, but, you know, you got to trust somebody first. You have to be vulnerable first. You have to be willing to, you know, um, take a hit. And the truth is that every can of worms opens only from the inside. So if you want to reach people who are currently living outside, you need somebody who's been living outside. Right. They're the ones who are going to reach them. Mm -hmm. um, so that began to grow and 
um, you know, over the course of many years, we've done many things. We can talk more about that later, but our primary um, function is to provide emergency and survival resources to people who live on the street. We do serve some other marginalized communities that we can talk about or not talk about. Um, and then we also have a heart for teaching others and inspiring others to do the same, either locally here or wherever they happen to live. So we host groups coming from all over the world, actually. Um, they live in community with us and hopefully get a spark or an idea and take it back to their communities to build something. So I love that. So love we're that. definitely little me, big team. And again, you know, who I am is less important than what we're trying to be about. But we want people to see your wonderful face. So we have to have people check out our socials to see uh, the picture that we post to both of you is because maybe somebody sees you out on the street and says, hey, you know, I heard heard uh, who you are and what you do, and I want to be a part of it. And so um, we're just here to shine a light. So that's so happily said in the parking lot. We both have great faces for radio. <laughs> Stop, stop. Well, so now we know a little about each of you and your organizations. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and actually, now is a good time for us to take a quick commercial break. But stay tuned, because when we return, we're going to dive into the heart of the matter with Vincent and Max. So don't go away. We'll be back shortly. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking today with Vincent Noth from the Kinship Community Food Center and Max Ramsey from Street Life in Milwaukee. Now, I don't know if either one of you have children, but my husband and I read lots of Dr. Seuss books to and with our kids. And I think they're great books, by the way, with valuable lessons. Um, in his book, The Lorax, there's a strong message spoken that says, Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to change. It's not. Now, this is a message that should resonate with people when dealing with any challenging situation, right? Um, now, you guys obviously care a lot about the people that you serve. And you say, Vince, that this is first about the people and not the food. Why don't you share what you mean by that? Sure. And I, I just think I'll say also uh, in reference to the the Dr. Seuss quote that um, we have this kind of saying around our center that um, it's a kind of no matter what type of place and that um, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your past is, no matter what you're carrying, um, people here are going to um, not have judgment in their job description, but just try to have compassion and and I, I just think that, um, you know, somebody's able to care uh, if somebody showed them at some point in their life, some no matter what kind of love. For me, that was my mom when I was in high school and I was off the rails and, you know, had nothing but anger and pain and hurt to share with her. But what she just continued to share back was, I, I know what your potential is. Mm -hmm. And she sort of saw me in that no matter what. And so it's like, I think making a difference um, comes out of the human heart when someone has shown that person that kind of, you know, hey, the answer to every question you have is going to be compassion 
And um, so I just I just share that to say that I really don't I, I don't think and I know Max doesn't see himself this way. I, I don't really see myself as someone out there making a difference in the sense that um, I, I feel like it's more like um, I have received so much. Mm -hmm. And and so I want to. I want to be able to give out of that place of gratitude and out of that place of awe. Um, and, and I think that's where, where I'll pivot to this idea that I think for years we thought, okay, you know, let's feed people. They're hungry. Let's get people through the door. Let's make it as, let's make it dig, a dignifying experience. Our centers are all, you know, shopper choice so they can choose all the food that they want. Um, but I think about, I don't know, I want to say about seven years ago or so, we just sort of started to adjust the coordinates instead of being like, all right, how many people did we serve? How many pounds of food did we distribute? We started to ask the question about the people themselves. And, um, you know, like food is not ultimately about fuel. Food is a means of commun building community, a, com a way that, that, that cultures come together, ways that... Right. So we shifted our focus and just said, what if we try to make this a food space that brings people together and instead of just trying to make it transactional and that shift has changed all of our lives um because you know as max was saying in his in introduction to street life um we, we say it a little differently we say everyone is here to give everyone is here to receive and we say if you've come today with the mindset that okay I, my bills are paid got plenty of food in the fridge. I'm here to help somebody else out. With just the giver hat on, um, you're missing it. You're going to miss something huge because this community, these people have so much to give to you. Mm -hmm. So you've got to kind of take the walls down a little bit and see what that reality might be. And similarly, we say, if, if you're coming today um, and maybe you're going through it right now, and maybe you feel like you have nothing to offer. There's hungry kids at home or whatever it is. Those that have carried the heaviest burdens, those that have walked, you know, through the, the most challenging circumstances have a treasure of soul. And that treasure of soul is spilling out of your life all the time, whether you realize it or not. And we, and we need you here. We, this community needs you. So it's in that giver receive, flipping the script on the giver receiver that we encounter one another around food. And we build community together around food. Mm -hmm. Well, Max, in the same way, uh, you say that homelessness is not about housing, but it's about community. Yeah, I mean, it is about housing. Um, we can talk more about that later. But let me let me come at this this way. Um, charity is a distorting word because it's a little bit like um, there's a superiority. In, in the language of it, we're very intentional about the language that we use. And so we say that we aren't really here to do charity, we're here to do justice. And by justice, I don't mean what happens in a courthouse, that's legality, that's another conversation. This is more about who am I in relationship to you? Um, if we think about scales of justice, the scales in our city are already economically skewed. Um, so how do I need to bring myself into relationship with you so that I'm communicating in every way I can that we're equal, that we may be in different circumstances, but our worth 
is not defined by our circumstance. Mm -hmm. And because today I find myself in the position of privilege, then I have to make that move first. So how do I need to stand? What does my posture need to be? What, what does my tone of voice need to be? Because as we were talking about earlier, poverty is not the absence of stuff. It's not not having a house. I've been poor many times, um, but I've never been impoverished. Poverty is the absence of hope. Mm, yeah. Um, it's the loss of dignity. It's the loss of control over one's own life. Um, we lose the bootstraps, so to speak, and then have bootstraps rubbed in our face by the people who benefited from them being taken away. Um, and that's that's a hard space to be. It's like a fog that sets in. And so um, it's not really a problem to be solved. It's a wound to be healed. And that's just a really different project. So, mm. so we are definitely moving people towards housing. Um, but our first move is reestablishing dignity, respect, and place in society. So what I hear you saying is that it starts with building and cultivating these relationships, letting these, uh, the people that you serve, letting them know, I see you, we see you, right? Always one-to-one. -one. And, and letting yourself be seen too, like letting yourself, um, letting, standing in awe of the person in such a way that, that then they also see your need for them. And, yeah. and your desire to be in relationship with them. Two-way street, yeah. 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 Uh, if you don't do that, I don't think you get the results you're looking for, right? Um, it was Gandhi who said, you have to do the right thing. It may not be in your power, may not be in your time that there'll be any fruit, but that doesn't mean you stop doing the right thing. You may never know what results come from your action, but if you do nothing, there will be no result. If you haven't noticed yet, I really enjoy quotes, and I, I use them quite often on the show for emphasis. And I understand that you, Vincent, have a favorite quote that makes a, a great point and supports your attitude regarding outreach. That quote is from Greg Boyle, and it says, you don't go to the margins to make a difference. You go to the margins so people there can make you different. Tell us why you love that quote so much. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's just like what Max said, day one, street life, the first person you talk to, and you think of the thousands of people you've talked to since. Um, and it, for me, that's not why I came to the margins. I think we come with the fixer hat, the doer hat, the savior hat. But when people stay at the margins, the reason eventually that they stay is because you'll ask them, why are you out here? And they'll say, I, I'm being changed. I'm being changed. Like, I can't begin to tell you for me, you know, it, it could be a, something as simple as for me, you know, I, I drive by bus stops all the time in my neighborhood, see people on the bus and, and I notice them because I know a bunch of people in the community that have never owned a car and probably will never own a car, never had the privilege. So they, they carry their, they, they wheel their groceries around or and I think before going to the margins, I was complaining about the fact that my brakes were going to cost 800 bucks or whatever, as opposed to standing in awe of the fact that I have a car and I've always had a car. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you start to taste just how much you have to gain and learn from the people who have 
shouldered immense burdens of what, whatever it might be, neglect or uh, tragedy or, um, you know, just um, pain. And so, so the, those that hang out at our center and stick are the ones that really stick are the ones that taste of that. There's like a wholeheartedness that comes through uh, the diversity and the sharing of, of burdens. And um, they stick because they're, they're being transformed. And then they, the focus becomes on themselves and less on fixing the other person. If that mm, makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. Well, both you, Vincent, and you, Max, have strong feelings about the importance of serving. And you both have a particular approach that you think changes the impact that you're trying to achieve. So stay tuned to find out what that approach is. We'll be right back after commercial break. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. And my guests today are Vincent Noth from the Kinship Community Food Center and Max Ramsey from Street Life in Milwaukee. So you both have a particular approach to serving that you think has the potential to change the impact that you're both trying to achieve. And that is called the person-focused approach. So Vincent, how does this person-focused approach to hunger change the impact that you're trying to achieve? Yeah, I think traditionally, Meal sites and food pantries were measuring the pounds of food and the number of people. And we've shifted our approach to trying to connect to people. And as a result, we're starting to be able to track a different impact. Uh, and the impacts that we're focused on are people's nutritional health and well being, uh, their sense of belonging in the community, the, the social cohesion. And then their their sort of stability, if you will, or stability and healing, you could put those two things together. So a community food model, which were modeled after a movement that's happening all around the world, um, Canada and other parts of the country, is just saying it's great that, that we're feeding people, but how many of these folks um, are still socially isolated mm. in the community? Um, so we do collaborative Feast meals where people come and they collaboratively cook together. They come out to our farm and cook on the farm. Um, you know, how many folks are, about 50% of the people that, that shop with us are paying half of their monthly income on rent. Mm. So how stable are people with their housing, with their employment? So we, we, we have a, a crisis assistance and mentoring team that's walking with people trying to, um, you know, walk. Make sure no one in the community walks alone, and we're able to through food because hunger brings people in the door. Measure uh, different things than just how many pounds of food went out the door. If that makes sense. Mm, sounds like a TV show in the making. Cooking on the farm with Vincent. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's face for radio. But other than that, um, it, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> Max, how does this person-focused approach to homelessness? change the impact that you're trying to achieve? Yeah, uh, let me kind of come at that question by backtracking to this idea of the margins. Um, 
Marginalization is a word that gets used a lot, but I'm not sure everybody understands what it means. So if I'm going to have a relation to, to a relationship with someone, I have to know where they are geographically, ecologically within sort of the human ecosystem. And we actually think that marginalization is, if not the root cause of poverty, it's a root cause of poverty. Um, marginalization occurs when a person through either some decision they've made or through no fault of their own, finds themselves no longer worthy of being or being given access to all of the levers of, of this great society, you know, that create prosperity. And they wake up one day and they, they no longer find themselves entitled to the protections that the system offers, but rather are seen as somebody that, that people need to be protected from. Mm -hmm. So they're put on the outside, like the biblical leper, right? And they are collectively punished. They lose their faces and names. They become categorized and labeled. Um, eventually they begin to absorb those labels and, um, and begin to act in expected ways. Um, they, they give way to what we call the crab bucket. They find themselves in a bucket of crabs and everybody's snapping and biting and pulling each other back in. Mm. I got to get mine, you know, and if you take them out of that circumstance and actually put them into a situation where they have access to resources, you'll find them. most of them are incredibly resourceful, mm. incredibly smart. Or generous. Or generous or, or kind or all these other things. And so what we are trying to do is first place ourselves with them, not just circumstantially, but consequentially. So that as Greg Boyle once wrote in a book of his, we are saying to our community, include us or crucify us, mm. but we're us. Mm. Um, so that's the first part of everything is I need to I need to reject my privilege and I need to put myself, I need to place myself as best I can in the circumstances and in the sort of spiritual geography that my community, my marginalized brothers and sisters find themselves in. It's not always easy to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think of the word uh, passion. I just was reading about this in uh, a book I'm reading called Die Empty. And I was talking about how so many times people misuse the word passion. You know, they think of, I have a passion for playing the guitar. I have a passion for cooking. And if you think about it in context of the passion of the Christ, it's like suffering. And compassion is coming alongside someone who is suffering. And so, uh, you know, these ca causes that we talk about, um, whatever it is, uh, is is showing compassion, coming alongside s someone who is suffering in some way and saying, I see you, I'm here, I will walk alongside you in, this, society, in this challenge. Our yeah. society doesn't have good categories for dealing with suffering. So we push it away, we numb it, we pretend it doesn't exist, and so we get marginalization. Yeah. People are suffering and pushed to the end. Yeah. Well, how has the work that you both do and the friendships that you both have made, how has it changed you or, or made you different? 
it's such a gift to do the work that I do, and I feel so privileged to do it. Um, we talk about perspective shifting encounters in our center. Um, we talk about getting sort of getting wrecked in your your paradigm, your worldview. And um, let's give a quick story that there's a friend of mine who was working with a woman who suffers from schizophrenia, and he'd help. He was helping her go to Walgreens and get toiletries or whatever, and he was being compassionate and kind of muscling through it because every time he'd show up at her place, she'd be half an hour later, she'd come down in the elevator and then all of a sudden go back up. And he said everything shifted for him when one day they were checking out at Walgreens and the clerk said, ma'am, your change, ma'am, your change. He had to say it a third time, ma'am, your change. She was just staring off into space. He, he was a little rude, ma'am, your change. And the woman paused and she said, I'm sorry, I have four voices in my head and it takes me time to figure out which voice is yours. And so for this friend of mine, he um, experienced a shift where he said, I was, I really was sort of just standing in judgment of this woman. Why can't she? And he said a shift occurred in his heart where he began to stand more in awe of her. Like, wait a minute, she navigates life every day this way. Like we celebrate Giannis and other athletes, you know, but she might as well be on billboards because her life is a marathon in the, the final mile every day. And so it's, it's that kind of, uh, you know, seeking, I think, in my own life is that I, I just so, I just feel so privileged that I get to be close. And I, I think I don't want to look at the crab bucket, you know, the inside the crab bucket are human beings and they're, they're, they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And each one of them was created by God for something beautiful. And each one of them still has that imprint of dignity and beauty in there. And so I, I just want to be near, um, you know, where, where that the beauty can flower and, and it's, it's, it's end up ending up changing me, I think more in the process. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I would echo those same things. And you wouldn't have time to talk about all the ways that these streets have changed me. Um, I like We'd need to, two hours plus, <laughs> right? I'd like to think that my heart is softer and kinder. You know, we would think that the things that we see, we can't unsee what we see, you know, yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, they have caused me to do the work, to realize what's my junk and what's somebody else's junk, mm. to be able to hold my own peace, no matter what kind of crazy is going on around me, to mm. be a non-anxious presence <laughs> um, is, is going to school, man, because uh, when I first started doing this work, um, you know, I was projecting and judging. I thought I was this non-judgmental, whatever, you know, but I have, I have learned um, through excruciatingly painful lessons how truly powerless I am. Mm -hmm. And how am I, um, how am I going to manage my calling? in the reality that I am not going to change anyone. Um, I'm, I'm going to change me. Yeah. Um, and maybe in the process, other people, yeah. We're yeah. not doing the changing. Yeah. We're there to be a seed, a mustard seed, if you will, to okay. Autonomy is cause crucial a, to us. You yeah. Know, that you have the right to your own life. And learning to be a 
okay with that. Mm -hmm. Well, developing and nurturing friendships is definitely an important key in, in maximizing the impact and the difference that you guys are making. But it's no secret that in the last two years or so, developing a new relationship has been a bit difficult because of social isolation. And you talk about how this social isolation and segregation have hurt all of us in Metro Milwaukee, the haves and the have-nots. What do you mean by that? I would just put it like this, that so, you know, we live in a, in a there's two Milwaukee's, right? If you look at racially or socioeconomically and, um, and depending on the dumb luck of that zip code that you were born into, you have access to, you know, school systems where the graduation rate is 99%. Or the graduation rate is 45%, right? Or a neighborhood where it's you're 100% safe to just get on your big wheel, and or a neighborhood where you, as a little kid, you grow up with your fist clenched because you don't know what's going to happen, right? And that's that is the reality. That's the starting point. And I just think that um, it's easy to look from the perspective of the affluent or the person in the suburbs, city, and say, well, they have they have so many things we don't have. But the thing that I've discovered is that that kind of segregation has hurt all of us. You know, the Brookings Institution has this study that quotes that in highly segregated um, cities, everybody is more socially isolated. And, and why is that? What's happening? What, what is it about homogeneity that makes things more socially isolating? And I think it has something to do with how belonging, our sense of belonging, is predicated on performance and this need to, um, I have to, in order to belong in this community, because if you're in a community and you think some people are not welcome here, you think, well, maybe I'm not welcome here unless I fit in, right? And that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on people rather than being in a diverse environment where there's more racial and socioeconomic diversity. That's a big, that's a big fish to bite off, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've all heard that it takes a village in order to accomplish some of these challenging topics, like some of these things that we're talking about today. Um, but stay tuned because when we return, Vincent and Max will share how you can be a part of the community or the village, if you will, um, that is looking to make a difference in some of these areas that we're talking about. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach. And we're closing out our interview today with Vincent Noth from the Kinship Community Food Center and Max Ramsey from Street Life in Milwaukee. So we said in the previous segment that it takes a village or it, it really takes a community to make things happen. You guys often talk about how community is impossible without vulnerability. What do you mean by that? Um, I'm not sure where Vincent would go with this, but let me go at it this way. We are a society as a whole that struggles with connection. We are fragmented as a society because I think we're fragmented as individuals. We are raised in homes, God bless us all, that put the fun back in dysfunctional. And there are things that are acceptable in us and things that aren't. And the unacceptable is buried. You know, we start to think that if my cousin finds out this about me, then 
there's no way they would love me, but more perniciously, maybe our spouse. You know, maybe our spouse, if they found out about this weird thing about me, then they, they would never love me. And so they, we stash that away, you know, and, and expect to have intimacy. And intimacy means into me see. And so oh. we have to be willing to open ourselves up and risk rejection. Mm-hmm. But love requires risk. So we're starving for love and we're starving for acceptance. But we are so afraid to just be real, you know. Or risk averse, aren't we? And all I want to piggyback on that is that very often those that are in sort of more affluent society, we ha- we can hide better. Sure, we just have the money to. So those that are marginalized or poor um, have often had to live into the values of their own vulnerability more frequently because they can't hide it. They got to show up at the food pantry, and people know they're there to shop, right? And so they're the they're the they're our sherpas for those of us that are in polite society and have learned to hide all that stuff, often those that have been marginalized can become a guide to us, teach us how to live into our vulnerabilities, if that makes sense. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, in order to make things happen, I think it's important to understand what's working and what's not, right? So how do we make things happen and help diminish or eradicate food insecurity and homelessness? That's a tall order, I know. And go. I think the things that we've already talked about are where we can begin to plug in. You know, if this was a simple problem, that would already be fixed. But again, it's not a problem. It's a wound. You know, it's a wound in our society. And healing that is a different project than simply mechanically fixing something. Yes, some of these things are systemic. And yes, some of these things are also deeply developmental and personal and spiritual and yeah i mean if you got 25 hours to talk about this you know yeah and i I think i would just say what max said at the beginning is that the charity lens is um it's it's an okay place to start we talk about you know greg boyle talks as as well about how service is is the hallway to the ballroom but the ballroom is is kinship the ballroom is a solidarity and just and of justice Union. And that's a that's the lens, I think. If there's any one call to action for me, it's really if you're out there and you're in, and you do service, but you we've we've touched a nerve and you feel a hunger, then I would say come into you could be going to volunteer at the, the the neighborhood you know nursing home, but to come into a space not just here and to serve, but to hear to sort of seek justice, to seek solidarity. Because there's um, there's a ballroom there waiting for you that I'm really grateful to to have been invited at times into. Yeah. Really quickly, companion, you know, companionship, right? It's Latin, come pan with bread to break bread together, mm. to live in community with one another, to to share food across a dinner table, not across some table. As I'm a provider and you're a receiver, no, we're we're family. We're all in this together. Right. Right. Mm. Anything else that either of you would like to add as we close out the show? I, I just would like to add the privilege I feel to know Max and to work alongside him. And I mean, this is, um, there's other people, you need other people in this work and you need other people that can, um, you can kind of compare your bumps and bruises. And Max is somebody 
who won't ever put, put any promotion, you know, will, will avoid promotion, but he's been, he's someone I look to. And I think, and, and there's a lot of people out there like him that are kind of in a small way, helping kind of hold things together. And I'm just, I'm grateful for you, man. All right. I got you, buddy. Thanks. That's wonderful. And that's the bottom line is I, I really am a nobody in the sea of nobodies, but we put all those together and you got something. Well, and, and it's wonderful to hear how you guys work together because not often, but it has been um, presented to me that certain nonprofits don't want to partner together for the show because it's a me against you type of mentality. And it's like, that's, I think, yeah, I think you're in the wrong sector then. Yeah, you know, there's enough to go around and we do this show so that it speaks to someone's heart. And I don't know, I don't want somebody working alongside me who's just going through the mechanics, you know, you know, just, I want somebody whose heart is in it. And there's, as I say, there's enough, there's enough to go around. And I think when there's collaboration between nonprofits, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So give I want money to street play. give money, give, give money to somebody you care about. <laughs> That's right. And let them know you see them. Right. We'll do a good job with whatever you give to. <laughs> Well, if we have listeners that would like to reach out to you and learn more about each of your uh, respective organizations, what's the best way to do that? Ours is probably our website, kinshipmke.org. You're going to see what a community food model looks like there. And then there's a number of different ways to volunteer or get involved. Okay. And you can find us online at streetlifecommunities.org or on Facebook. We have a presence as Street Life Communities Milwaukee. Or you can probably find anybody who's living on the street and they probably have my cell phone number and you can get it from them. <laughs> they have it on speed dial, right? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I want to thank you guys, uh, Vincent Noth from the Kinship Community Food Center and Max Ramsey from Street Life in Milwaukee. Thank you both for the passion that you have for serving others and for taking the necessary steps to make things happen. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, or if you would like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. So join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community caring and compassionate. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, and now you can listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So as Ken Robinson says, I stated this before at the opening of the show, what you do for yourself dies with you when you leave this world. What you do for others lives on forever. So let's join together to make it a priority to do for others in whatever way we can so we can be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.